This episode of Fearless Rebel Radio is brought to you by You On Fire. You On Fire is the amazing 12-week online group coaching program that I run where we build up your worth from the ground up so that it's no longer hinging on the way that you look. It's got personalized coaching from me and incredible community support plus lifetime access. Get details on what's included in this program and sign up to be notified when doors open for the next cycle by going to summerinandin.com forward slash you on fire. I would love to have you in that program and in that group. This is Fearless Rebel Radio, a podcast about body positivity, self-worth, anti-dieting, and feminism. I am your host, Summer Inanin, a professionally trained coach specializing in body image, self-worth, and confidence, and the best-selling author of Body Image Remix. If you're ready to break free of societal standards and stop living behind the number on your scale, then you have come to the right place. Welcome to the show. This is episode 113, and I am interviewing Dion Nelson and Sarah Thompson, Health at Every Size practitioners, about what factors influence our health, how to stop blaming yourself for not being able to lose weight, and how to advocate for your health at the doctor. You can find all the links and resources mentioned in this episode at summerinanin.com forward slash 113. Before we begin, I just have a couple of announcements. First, if you haven't already done so, please take a minute to leave a review for this podcast and subscribe using whatever platform you use to listen to the show. I'm going to give a shout out to Love to Ski Canada. Summer, you and your podcast rock. I love the way you approach interviews with humor, humility, and genuine caring. Thank you for all the amazing work that you do. Thank you so much. It's reviews like this that help others to find the show. And if you leave one, it's pretty much guaranteed that eventually I'll read it for you on the show and give you a shout out. It helps others to find the show and helps to bump the podcast up in the ratings, which obviously I appreciate, but it's more so other people can find this information and we can reach more people than our little body positive bubble. Lastly, don't forget to grab the free 10-day body confidence makeover at summerinandin.com forward slash freebies with 10 steps to take right now to feel better in your body. Today's guests are Dion Nelson and Sarah Thompson. Dr. Dion Nelson has her doctorate in naturopathic medicine and currently works at Watershed Wellness, where she practices under the guidelines of health at every size and provides a weight-neutral, patient-centered care approach. She is the host of the Do No Harm podcast, and up until October 2017, Sarah Thompson was the co-creator and co-host of this podcast. So now Dion is just doing it on her own, and I highly encourage you to check it out. Sarah Thompson is a speaker, writer, consultant, trainer, medical advocate, virtual assistant, certified body trust provider, and wearer of many hats. All of her work is done through an anti-oppression and anti-assimilation lens, because acknowledging the trauma of oppression, all of them and their intersections is a part of healing. Sarah will complete her peer wellness specialist training in the spring of 2018, which she will combine with her body trust work to help others heal their relationship with food and their body. There's a lot of great stuff in this episode, and I highly encourage you to check out the Do No Harm podcast if you want to know more about health at every size and how to advocate (laughs) advocate for yourself at the doctor's office. Check it out. 
Welcome to the show, Dion and Sarah. I'm happy to have you here today. We're happy to be here. Yes. Great. (laughs) Well, let's dig in right away. I'd love for each of you to talk about how you got to where you are and what helped you to realize that health at every size was a thing. And how did that help you in your own process? Wow. Okay. This is Sarah. And how did I get to here? So I spent a lot of my childhood thinking that my body and what I ate was wrong and that I needed to diet. And I did diet. And I would say that I switched from like, well, not that chronic dieting can't necessarily qualify for an eating disorder, but I went from like chronic dieting and trying to be healthy and exercise and flipped over into an eating disorder, basically age 16, and spent a lot of my adult life in Overeaters Anonymous after having experience with anorexia and bulimia. And then mostly I stopped and it became mostly binge eating, switching between like restriction, binge eating and exercise. And so I continued to think that there was something wrong with me. Overeaters Anonymous really doesn't speak about food addiction or compulsive overeating as an eating disorder, which is really mind boggling. They also added working towards a healthy weight or maintaining a healthy weight to their definition of abstinence which used to only be refraining from compulsive overeating. And that was when I really started to think that there was like, what am I doing and how can I keep going to this program when I no longer feel like I'm getting anything when I go to a meeting? I often actually felt worse after I left. And it's hard because, you know, a lot of people will say, well, if it doesn't work for you, then you're not working at it hard enough. I worked so hard at it. Like... (laughs) When I do something, I really, I do it. Like, I am head first. (laughs) I am in it. Yeah. So when I left OA was about two and a half years ago, and I decided that I needed to figure out or find a new way to do things. And that was when I started following... It was either two and a half years ago or within like the last year and a half that I started following you on your Facebook group. And I think I somehow found you through Isabel Fox and Duke and started following a bunch of people that were talking about a new way, (laughs) a different way than I had ever done. And you know, this whole time, like I finished my bachelor's degree in health sciences in 2010, I believe. Oh man, no, 2014. I don't know what I'm thinking. 2014. And so then I came out here to go to school. Uh, Here is Portland, Oregon. And that was two years ago. And then I was at a naturopathic medical college with a bunch of people that are extremely devoted to health. (laughs) And often in orthorexic manner. Oh, yeah, I would add that into my mix, too. (laughs) And I ended up actually reading Health at Every Size because it was on our Students Aware bookshelf at school. (laughs) Wow. Dion's over here, like, silent clapping. (laughs) I helped work to get that to happen, to get it in our school. So, yay. Good. Very cool. And I still, I really liked it, but it was also very, like, oh, my God. (laughs) 
it was so completely different from all of the things that I had done and thought. Not necessarily that I hadn't thought that it could be possible, but I definitely, like, I drank the Kool-Aid. I drank the Kool-Aid that there was something inherently wrong with my body because I was fat. And that's a really hard thing to undo. And so even though I had read Health at Every Size, I really didn't want to believe that weight cycling was the reason that I could not keep weight off. (laughs) And then also while I was following all of these, you know, body positive people that were like posting really confident pictures of themselves and talking about being anti-dieting, it was really challenging because I wanted what they had and I wanted to be able to do what they did. But just following people was not doing it for me. Like I couldn't figure out how to do it for myself. And so I ended up on like my last attempt at gluten-free, dairy-free, sugar-free with the encouragement of an acupuncturist and an end that I was seeing at the time. And I had a really horrible experience with a massage and ended up really triggered. And that ended my diet, my dairy-free, gluten-free, sugar-free diet. I would call it a diet. And then I did what some people call the fuck it plan, which was like, I just ate whatever I want, whenever I wanted, how much ever I wanted. And that was my goal. You know, it was definitely a coping mechanism that helped me to survive. And then July 2016, I went to a retreat with Be Nourished. It's called their Reclaiming Body Trust Retreat. And that is how I figured out to make everything my own. That was when fat stopped being a stigmatized word when I used it about myself or other people. It was when I stopped binge eating. And I want to say that that isn't a perfect thing. Like, I don't feel like I have to 100% of the time not binge eat to say that I stopped binge eating, because it is not the way that I live my daily life anymore. You know, I was really able to start understanding the direct influence of patriarchy on what we do with our bodies and how we talk about our bodies and how we try to make ourselves smaller and how we try to be perfect and how the project of our bodies becomes our focus of our life for a lot of women. And even if you don't get caught up in the whole dieting trap, it's still a project. Like we still have this ideal beauty and like we're supposed to be perfect at everything and not disrupt and not, you know, rock the boat and like just all, (laughs) all the things that we are programmed to believe as women. And so or femme identified uh, people. And so that like, that's how I am where I am right now. I also I then was so blown away by what they taught and how they taught that I took their body trust provider training last fall, which is a in person one week retreat, and then a six month online training with conference calls. And then after that, we do a consultation, a six week consultation call to talk about cases. And then you can apply to be certified. Yeah, that's awesome. I, so I feel like so many aspects of your story are going to resonate with people. And I want to ask you some more questions around those, but I'll let Dion share a little bit about how you got to where you are. Okay. I'm Dion Nelson. I'm a naturopath here in Portland, Oregon. My story doesn't seem as dramatic, but which is probably good. It's okay. But it's different. I uh, 
So I was pretty much always a fat kid, and I thought that I wasn't on many diets as a kid, but going back in some journals that I had (laughs) recently, I actually was on more diets, I think, than I thought I was. I just was never really good at them, which was probably a good thing. And my, you know, my parents were always very supportive and, you know, tried to make me have good self-esteem, all that good stuff. Uh, The world didn't help that, but they worked on it. Um, But I was actually, I guess, pretty fortunate that I stayed pretty weight stable, like through high school and college and large chunks of my adult life. In college, I was in, I lived in Germany for a year and I lost a bunch of weight. I didn't try to, just kind of, so my body ended up doing. And when I came back to the States, I, I was like, okay, well, I want to stay this size now. So then I was actively trying to stay that size. And I was still like a big person, like I was never small, um, even by, you know, fat standards. <laughs> I was still pretty big. Yeah, I was just like doing all these things that were healthy or quote unquote healthy, trying to, to stay healthy and stay small. And the weight came back as it does. And... <laughs> I remember sort of getting back into like I was having to wear some larger sizes and going back to where it started and I remember being really upset about it and then thinking that I was never going to diet anymore I was going to just try to be healthy and not worry about it and it was just like this random little thought I didn't but I think it kind of stuck with me and so over the next 15 years or so I probably you know I I did different things where I would try to be healthier and it was always around healthier and when I look back sometimes it might have been on the orthorexic side but again I never had the commitment to go fully (laughs) that way but I you know I would try to do things that were whether that I thought were healthy at one point I did become a vegetarian but that was part of a whole other life change and so I actually did feel a lot better and I don't know that it was just the diet or just what I was eating it was a lot of things at that time in my life Eventually, uh, there's a lot of stuff, but I ended up moving here to go to naturopathic medical school and at the same school that um, Sarah is going to now. I definitely, you know, jumped in and, (laughs) yeah, got into the whole, you know, cleansing and elimination diets and all of that sort of thing, because that is the culture that the school has. But I, again, I always really wanted to work with fat patients and, and I really just had this feeling like, you know, people don't have to lose weight and because I was fat and I had always been fat and I'd always been pretty healthy and active and and I knew plenty of people who were that way as well. And so I feel like I already had this idea of health at every size, but I didn't know it was a thing. <laughs> and then my third year, I was taking a business class and we were supposed to describe like our perfect clinic or ideal clinic. And I essentially described a health at every size practice. And uh, so my teacher, when he said, when he wrote it back or when he gave it back, he had written a note and asked if I had read this book, health at every size. So I thought, well, no, I haven't, but that sounds intriguing. And I bought it and read it over spring break that year. And it's just like, finally, oh my gosh, yes, this is exactly what I've been thinking. And wow, this was written in 1998. I can't even, you know, like this has been in the world for so long and I had no clue about it. And it was really amazing. And for a while, it was just kind of all I had. It was just like this book. And I, <laughs> I'm i sure there were a lot of people in my school who got very frustrated with me because I became a little bit evangelical about it. But I really appreciated it too in that it made me really reconsider 
a lot of the information I was getting, like about risk factors and, and causes and even correlations and not just about fatness, but you know, about other things that are affected by stigma. So I would wonder, well, here's all this information about maybe fatness isn't the cause of all these diseases. Well, certainly somebody's skin color can't be the cause of diseases. And it just really expanded from there. Mm -hmm. And so I, I questioned a lot before I read the book too, but it became more imperative to me. And then I just, I don't think I really found like the fat community. I found being nourished in school because they did come to talk to our school, which was very exciting. And, you know, I tried to bring in people as I could in the last two years that I was there and trying to get help at every size into our bookstore, which was very exciting when we, when we managed that. And just getting people to read it was a challenge. It still kind of is, I think. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I feel like I had, like, Be Nourished and Health at Every Size. And then probably only in the last couple of years have I really kind of had the push and the energy to really start figuring out, you know, how big this community is, which is amazing to realize how big it is and how it's not as big as I want it to be, but it's so much bigger than I thought it was when I first found that book. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and it's pretty incredible. So yeah, and and then the big push to in our podcast to talk about all of this to medical professionals and like that has become sort of my driving force. Like I think it's great to talk to everybody in the world about it of course, but there needs to be such emphasis put on teaching the people that are healing us to to not treat us differently because of our bodies or our body sizes. Mhm. Yeah. And, uh, that's becoming a passion. Well, it, it is a passion. <laughs> yeah, it has to happen at the system level because it's yeah. just otherwise nothing's going to change. So I love that your podcast is, you know, geared towards other professionals because I think that that's a real gap in terms of what's out there. A lot of it's geared towards the individual. Yeah, which is great and necessary. Absolutely. Yeah. But, but we need to also get everybody on board. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, one of the things that, Sarah, you said that, you, you know, you said health at every size was so different from everything that you had learned and what you thought was possible. So mm -hmm. I'm curious, and I'm sure that, you know, Dion, you probably felt the same way, at least at some point in time. Um, it's yeah. a huge, you know, it's a huge paradigm shift. And, mm -hmm. and that, you know, the idea that weight and health are so intertwined is, is entrenched in our brains. So I'm curious to know what things helped you fully believe. So get to the point from just sort of being knocked over and like, I don't believe this, this is, <laughs> or I don't know whether I want to believe this, or is this actually true to really believing it? Like what helped you? Because I think that a lot of people struggle to, to just, you know, fully embrace and believe that. Yeah, I think part of it was having teachers slash leaders in reference to like Hillary and Dana, who are the co-founders of Be Nourished, and who did the retreat that I did, having them demonstrate and wholeheartedly believe and model what they believe is huge. And then from there, I'm healthy. Like, <laughs> every time I would get blood work done, you know, to see if there was something wrong with my body, there was nothing wrong. Like, 
the most wrong thing was like I was I had a lower level of vitamin D or something and like who doesn't <laughs> especially in the Pacific Northwest <laughs> yes <laughs> I'm finally above normal <laughs> lots of supplementation <laughs> And I also did, at the time, have plantar fasciitis, which, side note, I went to a doctor, like, four months ago. I, like, suffered with plantar fasciitis for over a year because I was so afraid to go. It wasn't even conscious. Like, I didn't want to go to a doctor about my foot. And I finally went because after doing acupuncture every week for a year, it didn't help. (laughs) And I was like, okay, finally, I'll go. They didn't say a single thing about my weight. Mm -hmm. And like basically every time I talked about it, I would say half of the people that I talked to about it said they had the same thing. They were thin and the other half weren't. And so it was like, well, if we both get it, then it can't be just because I'm fat. It's our footwear. Just saying. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, it really is. It really is the footwear. Um, (laughs) And and lack of blood flow, like, and mm-hmm. but that also has to do with the footwear. But yeah, so <laughs> side note, and that has nothing to do with our weight. Mm-hmm. And so I think it was just like analyzing things for myself and really coming to terms with like my health is fine. <laughs> yeah, and really just getting used to that and believing that and yeah can I say something sure I just want to say even if your health is not fine it is not your weight right so (laughs) just it's true yeah it is a very good point there's a lot of things that you can do that will support you and and move you toward health if that's what you choose to do that have nothing to do with losing weight or changing your weight in any way so I'd love to, yeah, I'd love to kind of expand on that. So, I mean, do you, do you collectively or individually even have a definition of health? <laughs> question, isn't it? <laughs> I don't. A long time ago, I think I've read the, the World Health Organization's definition of health, and I remember liking it, but it's been a really long time since I've read it. Are you going to look it up? I am. <laughs> yeah. Do, I, do you have a definition of health? I, I don't either because I just, I have seen so many people, when I think of health, I don't just think of physical health. I include mental health, spiritual health, emotional mm-hmm. health. And so, you know, I have seen people that are in great physical health, but are having, you know, significant mental health issues or significant spiritual issues or, you know, feeling disconnected. And so I wouldn't consider them completely healthy. And I have seen people who, you know, are in very poor physical health, but, you know, have like great relationships and emotional stability and spiritual stability and mental stability that, you know, so, but, you know, there also wouldn't be considered in completely good health. And honestly, I don't think any of us are ever, like, there may be one point in our entire lives where everything is just perfect for maybe a second, but in reality, I think most of us are always in flux and, you know, some parts of our health are better and some are worse or, and so it's such an intangible thing and everybody's versions of health, I think are different. So what I would consider healthiest for me, you know, might not be what's considered healthiest, you know, for you, Summer, for you, Sarah, for you audience. And so, you know, there are 
you know, like physically there are averages and things that, you know, we're not like, if you're in these ranges, you're doing okay. And, you know, you're not going to die anytime soon unless you get hit by a bus. (laughs) (laughs) But, but even then some people fall out of those ranges, but physiologically for them, it's okay. Or some people are in the ranges, but physiologically for them, it's not okay. So it's, yeah, it's really hard. And I think even the World Health Organization with, with their... I looked it up and I don't like their definition. I take it back. <laughs> but I, think that they, I think that they... I seem to remember them reading something about how they... It took a really long time even for them to come up with that good definition. So, you know, it's just... I, it's a complicated. It really <laughs> is. It's a complicated like question <laughs> or a complicated answer. And the thing that's kind of coming to my mind right now is that like I have kind of given up health as a thing, and my focus really these days is on healing. And there's a huge difference mm-hmm. between the two, and we approach the two very differently. And Yeah, talk to me about that. Yeah, I feel like health has become this, like, this gold standard of, like, you're a terrible person if you're not seeking health. Yes. Like, you're, and then, like, the definition of what people are considering healthy is, like, well, don't stand too much. Or, no, (laughs) I said that that backwards. Um... (laughs) Don't sit too much, and it's probably don't stand too much too. Like there's because <laughs> not nothing we do is right. So <laughs> in Chinese medicine, there is such a thing as overstanding, and yeah. So it's like it becomes this like all of our food has to be organic. It has to be local. Like oh my god, you eat processed sugar. Like that apparently doesn't go with health. And, you know, I think part of this is our culture and part of this is that I have been like seeped in the, in the culture of medical education for the past two years. So I feel like I, I'm surrounded by it on a daily basis, but yeah. And so we focus on like, well, if our patients aren't listening to us, then they're being unhealthy or they're being non-compliant. And non-compliant is one of my like least favorite phrases ever. Me too. And so I kind of tend to like move away from haze, <laughs> even though I think it's a great starting point and I think it's so much better than what our current system is. But yeah, that like going towards healing and working on healing is, I feel like it's so much more inclusive. Again, I want to say that like, if your goal isn't healing, then like, that's totally fine. And I don't judge that at all, because we're all on our paths. And we all only have capacity for what we have at that moment. Mm-hmm. And so healing to me is about like, what nourishes you and what helps you to feel the best in your life. And that includes like all of the things that Dion was mentioning earlier, like spiritual, mental, physical, emotional, all the different aspects of us. And we, as a society tend to put this huge focus on physical health (laughs) no matter how that affects our mental or emotional health or even our spiritual health. You know, I have been on a diet through my church. Like, 
that is for real. Wow. <laughs> and I'm not the only person that experiences that. Like there is a lot of talk around like I have to treat my body because, you know, it's a vessel for fill in the blank, whatever religion, and I need to treat it better. And somehow being fat has become equated to like treating your body badly. And I don't buy that anymore mm-hmm. at all because we don't have long-term control over our weight. It's sure. not sustainable. It's not realistic. And we can do things to change it. I can't deny that we can change our bodies, but it's never, it's often, and I would venture to say never sustainable and long-term. Yeah. yeah. Which is, and like, we don't, sorry. No, we, you go. We don't really even have a lot of control over our health either. Um, right. Ultimately, <laughs> right. I mean, we, we have some control and, you know, doing things that are, you know, make you feel good and make your body feel good and mm-hmm. nourish your body, all that kind of thing. Like those certainly help, but you know, we can't control everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can only control a very, very small portion. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, I think that's important to realize. And I would say that part of, for me, health is, you know, being, do you, you know, doing things that make you feel the best in your body, all your body is your, your spiritual body, your like all of the physical, everything. And sometimes, you know, you can pull that off and it's great. And sometimes you can't, but I feel like that's something to strive for at least. Yeah, I love I love the way that you approach it. And Sarah, I loved how you prioritize healing over health, because I think that we focus so much on an an outcome versus, Mm -hmm. you know, just what do I need today for myself, for my mind, my body, my spirit. And I was having this conversation yesterday with a client. And I was saying, the greatest thing I did for my health was just start to relax more, like relax <laughs> around food, relax with my job, relax, you know, set boundaries so that I had more time to relax. And it's just like, it's amazing how, you know, it had nothing to do with cutting out food or, you know, m- moving. It was about just chilling out, like decreasing the stress load overall. And that was probably one of the best things that that's kind of how I approach my own health is just <laughs> relax. <laughs> I have said this before, and but I think it bears repeating that I think it's really funny that we get so stressed out about health when actually being stressed out, especially constantly stressed out, mm-hmm. is actually worse for our health. That's true. Yes. So yeah. <laughs> you're freaking out about everything all the time or you're, you know, exercising too much or you're causing more stress to your body, more inflammation, which is what you're trying to avoid. Mm-hmm. Then what, what are you doing? <laughs> Nothing. Yeah, yeah. You're not helping yourself at all. So your your the way you look at it seems perfect. Just relax about it. Yeah, just it's relax. okay. Relax. You, okay? you know, <laughs> take the take the Hawaii Hawaii approach. Just <laughs> slow down. <laughs> this isn't the mainland. You know. <laughs> and our body, our physical bodies are actually very resilient. As are I think our oh, mental, and emotional, everything. Like we're people are really resilient. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't feel like you are, mm-hmm. you actually are probably way more resilient than you think you are. Mm -hmm. So that's something to remember too. 
This episode of Beerless Rebel Radio is sponsored by AdamandEve.com. You can make this Valentine's Day, and every day for that matter, one that you won't forget with this awesome offer from AdamandEve.com. Through Valentine's Day, you will receive 50% off just about any item. Just go to AdamandEve.com and you'll find thousands of adult entertainment products, including toys, lingerie, and a seemingly endless selection of adult DVDs. And there's more with every order you will receive a free romance kit. That romance kit includes a toy for him, a special massager for her, and a little something for both of you, or just for yourself. Why not? Plus, you'll get a free adult DVD to put you in the mood. And that's not all. They are also throwing in free shipping. So check out adamandeve.com for this special offer. Get 50% off one item, a free romance kit, and free shipping when you enter promo code code fearless at checkout. That's F-E-A-R-L-E-S-S. Fearless at checkout. Go to adamandeve.com to do that today. So I, you know, something that you mentioned just now was talking about how long-term, you know, diets fail. And Sarah, something you said earlier when you were talking about your story was you felt or what you learned in OA, I guess, was that if it doesn't work, you're not working hard enough. And so I think intellectually, a lot of people know diets fail 90%, of, 95% of the time. Yeah. But there's still, I know, I know a lot of people listening still blame themselves for not being uh-huh. able to, you know, quote unquote, make it work. So, yeah. you know, what advice do you have for people who feel like they've failed or who, who, blame themselves you know how were you able to to, I guess take your own power back and realize like this is not my fault so it's funny that that's how you ended your question because that is one of the things that you like I think maybe some of my friends get tired of hearing me say it but one of the biggest thing lessons that I took from my retreat with Be Nourished was that it's not my fault Mm. and literally basically having it explained to me about why it wasn't my fault and really letting myself believe that. And then that leaves you room to be so angry (laughs) (laughs) because I spent so much of my life believing it was my fault. And like, it's just maddening how much work and energy we spend on something that is not our fault and like trying to fix something that is not our fault. And like, and so then, you know, there's the anger, which is great because then you can stop turning it on yourself. But then there's a lot of grief. There's, there's a lot of sadness about that, like spending so many years and that could be like, you know, some people find this stuff went in their twenties and like, it's only been five years Or like me, it was, I don't know, I probably started my first diet when I was nine or 10 and I quit (laughs) like at 34, 33. And then, you know, I listened to a woman speak the other day who her, her dieting history was 35 years. Like there's so much sadness and so much to be angry about that like how we're trained to believe that we can control our bodies. So it's really powerful to be told that it's not your fault and to really understand the how and why it isn't, which is 
you know, weight cycling and we and body diversity, like nobody, like so many people don't just recognize bodies are diverse and there's, you know, there's always going to be short people. There's always going to be tall people. There's always going to be middle height people. There's like, and it's the same for bodies. Like we have thinner bodies that like this, and I don't want this to come across as like a horrible thing because I don't think I don't view this as a, as a horrible thing, but like, I literally have a friend who is very tall, very thin. And no matter how much she eats, she is always that same body type, mm-hmm. like always. And then there's, you know, like people that are thinner and don't appear fat or that. And like there's uh, people up to like my and Dion size and larger. And I only I kind of want to I kind of want to say numbers because I think that it's not I don't I don't feel like clothing sizes are a triggering thing, but I think it's also helpful because in pictures you can't always tell what some what size someone is. Mm-hmm. And so I wear like a 26, 28, 4x bottom and a probably like a 3x top. And yeah, so it's like let's all just relax about body diversity. <laughs> let's all just appreciate how different everyone is. And stop blaming people that their size is their fault. Yes. It's not. not. Or or their size is their victory. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's, um, it's so, I mean, it's like we accept heights, like you said, uh, you know, skin, like skin, you know, people are different. (laughs) Like I, you know, we're not golden retrievers. I always kind of use that as a reference like we're we we're all kinds of dogs <laughs> there's chihuahuas and there's great danes yeah. and there's saint bernards like mm-hmm. and we don't ever i remember i babysit and what i wanted and often i've figured out that like five to six is the range where like kids are going to ask questions about why you're so fat and depending on the day it can be really bothersome but i was reading a book to some kids that I was babysitting at their bedtime and it was about different dogs and literally like I had had that question about my size that day and so like when I read the story to them I was like look you know we don't tell we don't like all these different dogs are all different sizes just like people are and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so true so I want to I want to get to one more thing before we go and that is just I know you're you know the main focus of do no harm is for is for helping you know health professionals but for an individual who is you know in a larger body or perhaps has a history of chronic dieting or disordered eating you know I've heard so many stories from community members who are either scared to go to the doctor or they're discriminated against at the doctor and so you know they're not getting the proper care that they need so I am curious to know what advice you have for people when they're going to see a medical professional in terms of, you know, what can they arm themselves with? What, you know, what things should they kind of plan or prepare for? How can they find a good professional? What's, what's your advice? I would say that if you have the chance to look online and find 
the websites that have recommendations for people that are health at every size or recommendations in Facebook groups from people in your area because those and they aren't going to exist in everywhere. I acknowledge that's hard. But depending on where you live, you may be able to find a recommendation for someone. Granted, not everybody's also going to be then in your insurance. So if you aren't able to know ahead of time that the person that you're going to go see is at least somewhat on the same page as what you would hope for, I would recommend things like when you get to the waiting room and you fill out paperwork or when you talk to somebody, tell them that you don't want to be weighed because often that's the first thing that happens when you go to a doctor is that you get weighed. And for a lot of people that is super triggering and, and you can refuse, you can refuse to be weighed and they will put that in your chart and you can technically refuse anything. Mm -hmm. Right. Just saying. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I don't need to refuse all of it, but you could. And then I would also say that if you don't want food recommendations, if you don't want diet recommendations, I would, if you're able to tell that to the MA or like have the receptionist put that at the top of your paperwork. So when the doctor or whoever sees your paperwork can see that note that has been noted and oh so yeah so don't you don't have to be weighed you can also tell them that you don't want any weight loss advice and you don't want diet recommendations and then if the person is being really persistent and not listening to a thing that you're saying the one question that we often talk about is okay well what would you tell a thin patient Mm -hmm. and how would you treat a thin patient because For someone like you, there are so many stories. There are so many stories out there of people that have gone to the doctor for asthma, a sore throat, literally broken leg, Mm -hmm. and they've been told to lose weight. Yeah. And like that person that broke a leg, it's an article that I have read online that the person was told that they couldn't treat their broken leg until, well, they didn't know that it was broken because they didn't do x-rays. Because she was fat. Wow. So she then went to another doctor when the person said that they weren't going to treat her because she needed to lose weight before he could treat her. She then went to another doctor and found out that her leg was broken and then got treated for a broken leg. (laughs) So being able to to like put a kink in the person that's treating you about what they would do if you were a thin person is a way to disrupt that cycle don't let them get lazy yes i mean it's lazy medicine to tell people to lose weight so don't let them get lazy you know they need to practice too right yeah that's true i also want to say that just acknowledge that it's horrible that this is what we have to do Mm health care should be better i'm sorry that this is what we have to deal with i'm sorry that you have to advocate for yourself when you're vulnerable and I'm sorry that you don't feel safe seeking health care. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I agree with all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because then the impact of those events is so, de- I mean, it's detrimental to one's health. It's like, yeah, absolutely. You know, not getting the proper physical care and then also the impact of that type of a situation on, some, on a person's mental well-being and mental health. And long-term health, if they, if then they do think, well, I must have to lose weight or I must have to diet, 
and just furthering along any, you know, damage that's being done. And honestly, listening to like your podcast, listening, even if you're not a medical professional, listening to our podcast can give you a lot mm-hmm. of fuel to, to walk in and say, you know, like, actually, yeah, <laughs> you know, you, this is what I need. And to be able to better advocate for yourself because you have more information. And I know, I think Reagan Chastain has, for danceswithfat.com has like a card I'm not sure where it is, though, online that you can basically take with you Mm -hmm. that will say pretty much everything that Sarah Mm -hmm. said, but you don't have to say it. You just hand them the card. Mm -hmm. You can always call in beforehand and, Mm -hmm. you know, send over that information just saying, like, this is what I need as a patient. Uh, You can call and ask if the doctor, even if you don't know for sure, you can call and say, hey, does the doctor know anything about this? Those are really great ways to take care of it sort of before you get there. So that, you know, it's, they're aware of it. And then if you can take somebody with you, it's always great to have somebody with you because especially if you're, if you feel really crappy, you may not remember, even if the doctor's not worried about your weight, you may not remember everything that happens because you don't feel very good. So I, if you can, I recommend you take somebody with you, but, you know, they can also be there even if they don't say a word as a witness. And so when you leave later, if something egregious has happened, they can say, wow, <laughs> no, that was not appropriate, right? And that kind of gives you a, like, okay, it wasn't just me. Or, you know, you start thinking, oh, well, maybe the doctor's right. And your your mm-hmm. friend or your partner or whoever can say, uh, no, no, they're not. Mm-hmm. So, and, and of course, your advocate has to be on your side. Right. <laughs> Don't bring somebody who's going to agree with the doctor that you need to lose weight for your broken leg. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, but that's always, that can be helpful if you have somebody that you don't mind you know, hearing your personal medical information. So, yeah. Those are all really good suggestions. So let's talk a little bit about your podcast. You know, tell everyone maybe some of the topics that you've covered, because I think that there's really good information in it for individuals as well. So not just for medical professionals, but like really helpful for individuals, because we need to know the stuff too. Absolutely. Yeah, the goal, I mean, the focus of our audience is the medical professionals, because they need to know this information, but it's absolutely very useful for everyone. So we do not discourage people from listening just because it's, it just might be a little more technical sometimes. So that's cool, though. Yeah. So talk about it. What are some of the topics that you've covered? What's first, it about? Our first episode, we talked about. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. We, did. we talked about who we are and probably a few different details than what we talked about today. And then our second episode was, <clears throat> should there be a war on obesity? Hint, no. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> and we go into a lot of details about the how and why and how it's not effective and how it's not helping anything. And then our next episode goes into weight stigma and we talk about how people are viewed differently because of their weight. And we talk about the myths that go along with being a person at a higher weight. And then the next episode is about weight bias. And we talk about Specifically weight bias in medical Ooh. care. It was a rough episode. <laughs> it it's really... really good, but it's a really hard reality to know how much literature is out there on yeah. how poorly medical professionals of all types, nurses, med students, I'm sure, dietitians, eating disorder professionals, how poorly people think 
of people that are air quotes obese Mm -hmm. and there's research that shows that legitimately supports that we get do get poorer health care and yeah it was it's a lot it's a lot i think we've probably gotten the most response from it from Mm -hmm. like people we know and some people we don't know (laughs) and that's been interesting because it was really the hardest episode we've done so far we've only done four (laughs) so if it's the hardest episode we ever do that'd be great Uh, i don't think it will be we'll Um, see and then we're gonna do our next one is healthism healthism which is excited about and i will include nutritionism i mean like Mm -hmm. they probably could be separate episodes but it stems from the same idea really Awesome. And then we have our first probably seven or eight episodes are sort of an arc leading us from, you know, like the whole obesity crisis, quote unquote, all the way to like health at every size ideas. Well, now fat acceptance. So like body trust, body trust, all of these different ways of, you know, I don't know what to say about um, to kind of breaking down the myths that being fat is a bad thing necessarily and that we need to change people's bodies. So like all of those groups that are saying, no, actually, it's OK and we can be who we are and and it'll be OK. So we're, we're kind of the whole arc is leading to that. So you guys have a little something to look forward to. And then after that, we'll talk more. We'll have different episodes, hopefully at some point, interviews. Our um, list of ideas is really long. Yeah, it just gets longer, too, because people <laughs> That's keep saying, oh, what about this? And we're like, we'll add it to our list. Right. And That's good. Like, yeah, there's like, how can we make sure that there's equipment for all body <laughs> sizes? There's PCOS, diabetes, like sleep apnea. There's like how nobody talks about how dieting leads to gallstones. And like, you know, tons of people have their gallbladder removed and think it's because they eat poorly or because they're fat and yeah there's all sorts of things (laughs) yeah tons of things and then we've just been starting a list of people to interview when we get to that point and it is also (laughs) growing Mm -hmm. very rapidly Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of information and yeah I'm excited. I'm excited (laughs) too yeah those topics are so needed so obviously they weren't honestly but uh, Yes. But I'm glad that we can talk about them. Yes. So. Yes. Well, I think being able to digest it in the format of a podcast can be extremely helpful, too. So tell everyone where they can find it. iTunes, Google Play Music, and our website, which is www.donoharmpodcast.org. Okay. And we're also on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Do No Harm <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> Okay, great. Awesome. Well, I want to say thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing your experiences and your stories and talking about what you're up to, because I feel like we could have talked about all of those topics, but I'm going to direct everyone to listen to your podcast for them, because it is is really good. I was listening to it leading up to this, and there's just so much good information in there. So you've done a really good job, and it filled an important need. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Yeah, thank no you problem. for having us. Yeah. Rock on. Yeah. <laughs> we recorded this podcast several months ago, obviously when Sarah and Dion were still co-hosting the podcast together. So things have changed since then. You're going to find links in the show notes about how to follow Dion and Sarah specifically. Sarah's handle is amazingly resilient fat goddess, which is awesome. 
The show notes are at summerinandin.com forward slash 113. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you next time. Rock on. I'm Summer Inanin, and I want to thank you for listening today. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Summer Inanin. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this show. I would be so grateful. Until next time, rock on. Rock on.